Hello and welcome to the Permaculture Herbalism segment of the Elder Tree Podcast. I am your host, Tanil Christensen from Earth Mama, where I teach people how to thrive and get skilled for sustainability. As an educator, kitchen witch and plant lover, I welcome you to tune in as I interview permaculturalists from around the world. We will learn holistic ways of integrating plants into our homes, gardens and communities for healing. Together, we will explore the art and science of this regenerative design system and harvest the collective wisdom. Permaculture offers a pathway to empower people to develop their lifestyles and landscapes. So let's discover how to grow and know plants with a purpose. In this interview, I had the great privilege of speaking with Eagle Persian. So it's a great honor to introduce him in this space and speak about why he is part of the permaculture herbalism segment. So Eagle was a proud climate activist for many, many years and founded his own not-for-profit called Less Meat, Less Heat. He's done some amazing work with 350.org and Beyond Zero Emissions. He's even spoken on this dead, uh, TEDx stage and presented at UN climate conferences in Paris and Bonn. Uh, but what he talks about in this interview is really quite interesting because he says that he made a mistake and that he was wrong about his not-for-profit. And whilst he was working for climate change, um, he ended up finding solutions in permaculture and regenerative agriculture. So he speaks on all of these kind of uh, adventures he's had from India and planting out thousands of trees in the Calvary Calling alongside Sadhguru. Uh, he speaks about what burnout did and how that led him into his food and functional health journey um, and how he manages that with plants and food. And he gives insight into his work with Zach Bush and the Farmer's Footprint, which is coming to Australia soon. Um, as the operations manager of Farmer's Footprint Australia, he's going to give you some insight into what you can do in the near future for the special events coming to uh, cities close by and he also discusses bamboo now he has a relationship with bamboo because he is working with this plant as a way to make water filters so using an ancient technology of binchantan charcoal filters he will fill you in with all of those details um, but let's get into the interview he is funny he has some great analogies and i trust you'll enjoy it as much as i I did. Welcome, Eagle. Thank you so much for joining me in my studio on this stormy evening in Karanda. Thanks We've, so much for having me. Oh, it's a total pleasure. I was really excited when you said yes to this podcast because we've been friends for a while now and I've been observing your journey and I think it's really inspiring and I really wanted to share that with the community of herbalists and people sort of interested in permaculture and our global region but especially in far north Queensland here who's um, most certainly listening in as we expand onwards and upwards. So thank you for joining me and I'm going to just jump into our questions and ask you why is permaculture an important aspect of your life? 
Well, firstly, thanks for flattering me, but um, <laughs> I well, I'm here because you're you're one of my biggest inspirations because you really practice what you preach, um, and I really love what uh, um, how you and Blake uh, walk the walk. Mm. Um, so, and I learned a lot from you guys during the permaculture design course, and just originally, obviously how we met. Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm flattered that you've you've seen. You've seen what I'm doing worthwhile that you want to share it. Oh, I'm um, super proud. Hopefully yeah. I can give something of value. Um, sorry, can you rephrase the question? <laughs> yeah. So when we first met, mm-hmm. you came as a student to the permaculture design course, but mm-hmm. you had a story. You had already had a not-for-profit and you'd had this big transformation in your life. Mm-hmm. And then from our course, you've stayed up here in Cairns and mm-hmm. you've got all these other awesome projects mm-hmm. happening. So the question is, what, like, how has permaculture um, changed your life or um, yeah, how has it influenced your life? Right. Um, well, in in many ways. Um, well, first of all, like I didn't really know what permaculture was mm-hmm. when I was um, living in Melbourne. I knew a few friends that had done this permaculture design course. Mm-hmm. I'd been. Um, I'd actually met um, David Holmgren. Yeah, David Holmgren. Um, yeah, during a uh, local. I think it was local futures. Um, conference down in Victoria uh, and yeah I'd seen a few documentaries and things like that so originally I came to Cairns um, and a few people had mentioned that uh, Organic Motion was the um, we're, we're hosting a permaculture design course and me being new mm-hmm. I really I wanted to wanted to study it but I also just wanted to meet like-minded individuals so I thought that would be a great place to start and um, I'm really glad that I just uh, threw myself into it. Um, and in terms of how it's changed my life, I think the people that I've met from the Permaculture Design course mm. um, have, have become really good friends of mine. Mm. Um, so there's um, that's definitely affected my zone zero zero in yeah. beautiful, profound ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, just really found myself in a really beautiful, warm community and mm. um, made a lot of beautiful connections, which... Um, continue to to give to my life in um, many ways, and I try and yeah give back as much as I can. And in terms of um, just just opening my mind uh, to really what's possible, I think me coming to Cairns was at the end of uh, like a five year journey of being a climate activist and mm. just um, feeling completely burnt out and. And also, I think a big part of the burnout was from just spending so much time and effort focusing on what we're trying to fight and what we're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. So it's like the rest of the environmental, environmental I, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of the, the environmental movement is focused on what we're trying to stop, Yeah, which is fair enough. And we do need people um, fighting fracking. We do need people mm-hmm. fighting deforestation. Mm-hmm but it's, um, it wears on you. Mm, yeah. And I saw, I wanted to find a pathway that, like Gandhi says, be the change you want to see, mm. but actually promoting solutions. Like, I think I was asking myself the question uh, towards the end of, um, yeah, around that time of like, what 
if we were to create an ideal society that that is that does live in balance with nature that is truly sustainable and perpetual mm-hmm. um, and that meets our needs and what does that look like yeah and I realized I had no idea so I, I needed I, I really wanted to explore what that could look like and um, through the PDC uh, permaculture design course I realized I guess people know what that is with their own podcast that offered a way that offered a way forward and I actually offered a, a paradigm and a model of um, what people could do on their local level mm. um, and and which would once more and more people adopt that way of living would have ripple effects and um, massive changes on a global level and and bioregional level and mm, and well, beyond yeah um so so yeah that, i think that it, it it gave me hope i guess mm-hmm. um of what is possible mm-hmm. and within a framework because everyone's got so many different ideas but um i couldn't really find many solutions focused um, models out there that actually had a framework for it yeah and it's not a very rigid framework like obviously there's rules and principles Mm -hmm. and it's something that everyone can adopt so yeah um anyway i'm I'm rambling but i guess that is the the format of the podcast yeah yeah yeah, it is (laughs) Um, it's um yeah it just gave me a framework and, and gave me hope of what is uh what is possible um in in terms of how how do we get past this situation that we're in now yeah. 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 So you got hope, mm. you got this organized framework, mm-hmm. and then moving forward from there, yeah. um, you've lived your life, you've started a business that is pretty awesome. So I'd love for you to share with people about what you're doing there and then mm-hmm. the other projects that you've stepped into that mm-hmm. is around people acting on a, on a local level, mm. but the ripple effects of that global influence that, that each of us have by making those decisions at home and choosing, um, you know, our food. Mm. So can you share on that level? Sure. Well, um, I mean, my, my food journey, um, like just to backtrack a little bit with, with the climate um, activism that I did, I, my food journey originally started from there because I, when I started out in the climate movement, I was very much focused on fighting fossil fuels and, mm-hmm. and that and kind of thing. 350.org coming out of my master's environment. Um, I could probably even backtrack a bit more. But yeah, yeah, please go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, like originally, I um, yeah, just so people can hear the full context. So originally, I uh, had very different priorities uh, growing up. Um, I wanted to become, wanted to make lots of money, wanted to become wealthy, have a nice car, have a nice house, like all all the values that society uh, tells us leads to a so-called good life or the Australian dream, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. Mm. And um, but it wasn't until I actually almost uh, lost my life um, in uh, had a near death experience, which um, took me years to recover from. The doctors reckon I had a five percent chance of surviving those injuries I sustained in Kuala Lumpur um and after that experience just coming out of uh that where yeah I I almost died Uh, I all all my priorities were really shaken up and I realized that the only thing though the only things that were important were um were family and friends and giving back in some way yeah and I guess the the journey that I've um embarked on since then is trying to figure out what is what is that way like mm. how do i give back in a way that it 
that I enjoy and that actually has some kind of tangible effect. And yeah, and that led me in all different directions. I didn't really know where to start. So I thought, well, if I don't know where to start, then maybe um, maybe I should just study environmentalism. So I went back to uni at the mm-hmm. um, University of Melbourne, beautiful course there, met some amazing people. And that shot me in a lot of different directions, um, volunteered for Beyond Zero Emissions. I was very much focused on climate change because I realized yeah. that um, we're changing the climate in such profound ways. It doesn't, mm. um, unless we have a stable climate, it's really hard to uh, address a lot of the other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of my mind's tendency to figure out, oh, what's the bigger thing, um, causing this problem? What's the bigger cause? What's the bigger cause? Yep. It's like a kid going, but why? But why? Yeah. But why? <laughs> keep and, asking. Yeah, keep asking. Fine, yeah. And deeper, deeper, deeper. Keep going more and more meta. Yeah. Um, and climate change was that. And uh, yeah. And then I realized that the climate movement was very much focused on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, realized that no one was really talking about the emissions of, um, of what we eat mm-hmm. and um that's when i um start, started um my less meat less heat uh campaign or organization and that that was a fascinating journey um which took me to two un climate talks cop 21 in paris cop 23 in bonn um did a tedx talk Amazing. um we had about 250 volunteers come through the organization we built an app that we crowdfunded wow. did some amazing things yeah. and that was a beautiful journey which um i learned a huge amount about myself and and um, about the world through yeah um, it was a beautiful experience but yeah as i said before it just burnt me out um but i also realized that 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 you know, like i was also um i think the the other the other thing um, if when you're on the path of um, lifelong learning, yes, it's it's important to test your fundamental assumptions. For sure. And it's something that I I was so hard-headed and dogmatic and focused on. Mm. Well, if you eat less red meat, then we'll address the climate crisis and everything will be great if everyone just reduces. Mm. But then uh, since then, I've realised that the, the world's problems are far more complex. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I mean, I guess I, I, I guess I knew that at the time, but I thought, but if we just address this one thing, then we'll have a big impact. Yeah. Um, but I, I've since realized that I was actually uh, wrong, and the vegetarians and vegans listening to this will probably, <laughs> will probably get some hate mail from them. <laughs> um, but I, re- I realized that, uh, that it's far more complex than that, and mm-hmm. that actually, and permaculture was part of that realization that mm-hmm. ultimately we, we live in ecosystems. Mm, yeah. And uh, we nothing exists in isolation. Yep. And sim- I, I agree with vegans and vegetarians that the way we raise animals is terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, and the way they manage the way they manage mm. is, is really bad. Yeah. Um, but there's it doesn't. I don't think the solution is to completely cut out um, animal agriculture mm-hmm. because where are you going to get your nutrients from the soil? Like it's mm. it's really hard. Um, it's really hard to recreate those ecologies unless you have animals as part of the system. Yeah. Um, and if they're managed in a way that is regenerative. Yeah. Which is funnily like I remember back on our Let's Meet, Let's Heat webpage, we had an, a frequently asked question section, and um, and people would would people who fight our organisation, and we were in a terrible place because we weren't. Um, we didn't have the support of the vegans or vegetarian organisations. We didn't have the support of like. 
um, the climate movement, or not so much anyway, because we weren't fighting fossil fuels. So we're kind of like in no man's land. Right. Um, but yeah, we had we had this, um, people would send us this video by Alan Savory. Yes. Um, holistic which, management. Holistic management. Yeah. We had a detailed FAQ basically rebutting all his points. Right. <laughs> but I've since realized that actually he's right. Mm. And there's, there's, there's holes in his arguments and everyone's wrong in, in some ways, but... Um, but ultimately, if you if we actually manage our animals in in a holistic way mm. that um, that can regenerate the land, then mm. that is that is great for um, people and planet. Yeah. And so, where am I going with this? Yeah. So <laughs> since then, um, since I completed the permaculture course, I've been trying to figure out where I fit in. Um, in I knew I wanted to stay in the area of food because I, mm. I realized that food I always had this gut feeling that food is the interaction between us and the environment it's even though we're so disconnected in every other way like we drive cars mm. and we walk on shoes that disconnect us from the land mm. we bury ourselves in hermetically sealed caskets mm. that stop us from being um, broken down by the worms and the earth mm. that we usually came from mm. we're so disconnected from the land and from each other and we go to work in these like concrete buildings and mm. we rarely even breathe like actual fresh air and but but uh, but we're, the food is like is is that true connection between mm. us and nature because mm. no matter whether you're vegetarian or vegan or whatever you eat yep. it still comes from the the earth it still comes mm. from our ecosystem mm -hmm. and sure a lot of the food we eat is heavily processed but the raw ingredients mm. are still there and it still comes from this earth and i thought that was it's whatever the solution is i'd like to be involved in that mm. um so when you look at the ecological footprints, if you've if anyone's ever done their mm. calculations, food is you know transport and mm. fossil fuels is big, mm. but yeah, localizing our food and growing our own food, it's definitely helps us mm. to reduce. It's, it's, it's huge, mm. and like and and I, I still like maintain that, like if if animals are managed. Um, poorly then yeah they can have a terrible environmental impact but if they're managed well they can actually have a beneficial environmental impact definitely and i don't think the solution is um uh lab-grown meat or mm -hmm. um or these beyond burgers mm. if you look at the life cycle analysis of them mm. uh <laughs> i can't remember i remember um reading into this but if you eat a a regeneratively grown burger you can actually offset the emissions from beyond burger when wow. you do the life cycle. Wow. Yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But there's um, a lot to say, you know, with the whole soy industry and producing mm. all, you know, meats based on soy. Mm. I, I understand that people feel like they're doing it mm -hmm. for an environmental impact, but forests are being cut down to grow soy. Exactly. Exactly. And and soy and soy like grown is most of the world soy is not grown regeneratively. It's grown mm. conventionally. Mm -hmm. um, using a lot of Using a monoculture, yeah. using heavy pesticide, herbicide, fungicide use, which destroys the soil, mm. all the life in the soil, the structure of the soil, mm. and then ultimately the topsoil gets blown away or washed away and it's mm -hmm. gone. And then that eventually turns into desert. Yeah. Like that's that's the most unsustainable way. We've like I mean the the source of that statistic is questionable. Like there's a statistic being banded around that says we've got like 60 harvests left and and i've heard some criticism of that statistic 
and maybe it's true maybe it's not but mm. i think it's on the right path that the way we're going mm. you don't need to be a rocket scientist to realize that we don't have an infinite amount of topsoil mm. to, to regenerate topsoil like is a really slow process it takes but a lot of time it can take three to ten years with regenerative farming practices mm-hmm. so cover cropping mm-hmm. no-till but it's still slow. It's still very it's slow. It's slow, absolutely. Whereas the, the, the rate at which it's disappearing yeah. is so much faster. Even if you're the best regenerative farmer in the world. Absolutely. It's 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 or it's virtually impossible to compete, mm-hmm. to regenerate at the pace at which we're losing it. And it takes a collaborative effort. Completely. Like I just read some stats today because mm. I'm doing a, a soils lesson in my program. Mm. And it's about, you know, in America, they've lost a third of their topsoil. Wow. Yeah. It takes millions of years to create. Yeah. It's like holds and harbors so much carbon. Mm-hmm. It retains water. It filters. Mm-hmm. Our soil filters our water to give us clean drinking water. Completely. It's 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 all and um we're we're essentially destroying the carbon cycle and mm-hmm. it's and and going back to climate change if we actually restore and like in the carbon cycle you've got um when we um, cut down forests, when we mm. when we don't when when we expose soil to the elements, yeah, um, it's it tries to heal itself by growing what we call weeds, mm-hmm. but it's just trying to cover itself. It's trying to protect itself. Teaching us the natural it's, law, yeah, exactly. But we, we we spray them away and we, we let it disappear, mm. and um, and then that it releases carbon, so that mm. that exacerbates the um, that exacerbates climate change. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Before I go, go off on more more tangents around <laughs> that, I, I going back to the original question, and it wasn't really until I was trying. I, I think I, I needed. I, I was also going on my own health journey, which also relates back to food. Through the process of burnout, I'd actually developed an autoimmune condition. That's why I don't have any hair. Mm-hmm. Um, this I know a lot of people strive for this ultimate aim through a lot of laser and wax and that kind of thing, but I get there you for get it free. Naturally. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you want to get there, maybe run a non-profit for five years and burn yourself out. You can do it for free. Um, but I, um, yeah, I that freaked me out. I was in the, I was in the middle of a trip in South America and I came straight back, and I at that that was the inflection point where I, I got tired, sick and tired of being prescribed this pill for that or this injection for mm. treating this symptom mm. of Western medicine's approach to yeah. just treating symptoms rather than root cause. Yeah. And I'd already been doing a lot of reading into um, into holistic uh, medicine, to functional medicine in particular. Yeah. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this functional medicine approach a go. Mm-hmm. So I, pleased my, I, I appeased my mum and I went to see a dermatologist and I said, well, they're prescribing me these steroids. But I'm going to um, I'm going to try out a functional medicine doctor, and it weren't covered by Medicare, so it cost me a bit of money. Yep. But I thought, you know what, this is worth it. Yeah. And just the first um, appointment was just mind blowing. Like instead of you know instead of spending five minutes getting his prescription, see you later, which most the typical doctors visit. Instead, they actually asked me like everything from how was I born, C-section or natural? How long was I breastfed for? Mm. What kind of stress do I have in my life? How am I sleeping? Mm. What am I eating? Mm. How am I eating? Mm. Um, how am I dealing with that stress? Am I meditating? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of exercise am I doing? And uh, just like I heard in your podcast, yeah. like 
what a thought a that yes. what we eat actually has an impact on <laughs> on on <laughs> our health you know like the, the western medicine approach if if a western um doctor was a mechanic he would basically tell you that it doesn't matter if you put uh, diesel and petrol in your car she'll be fine yeah yeah <laughs> that's a great analogy yeah or, or another analogy is like oh you've got the check engine light on well actually what you need to do is remove the light bulb <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs> It'll cost this much. <laughs> yes, exactly. Use your prescription yeah. <laughs> done. See you later. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's going back to that root cause. And and we had, um, this is um, Steve in New Health and Q, for those of you listening in Melbourne. Amazing guy. Okay. And he, he really brought the price down to make it more affordable. Yep. And uh, he really took me on a journey. And bit by bit, we looked at my vitamin deficiencies, my hormone deficiencies, mm. and, 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 and tried to address all those through my lifestyle, through, taking, uh, through improving my sleep, giving myself more time to sleep, mm. addressing the sources of stress in my life, mm. um, getting more vitamin D. If you live south of Sydney or south, you don't get enough vitamin D for most of the year. Yeah. So I was supplementing and it was in the midst of that, that, um, that healing journey that I went up, um, I met a, uh, someone I met while I was traveling. Um, she invited me out to Cairns just for get away from the cold, just as, just for to a, get some real vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get some real vitamin D, came up with Karanda Roots, had a beautiful time. Yeah. And I just felt so, so much warmth, like from the community and obviously from the place itself being tropical North Queensland. Um, but yeah, and just so much, just the nature just really drew me in and I came back to Melbourne I was a bit depressed and my mom's like what's wrong you you don't feel you don't seem very happy and I really, I told mum I think I need I, I don't feel at home here I feel I felt home in Cairns I think I need to be there hmm. and she, she's supportive of whatever I want to do so she just said well if that's where you need to be then you should go there so I I within a month I was uh, in a new X-Trail that I bought driving up to Cairns Right, and that's when we met you. And that's when you we met. You came to the course. And that was only like and a few months before the course. Great. And then you fit right into our community. I mm. feel like you know more people here in Cairns than I do now. Yeah. So that was the springboard. So that I, was the yeah. springboard, yeah. So the functional medicine was that kind of a catalyst in mm. looking yeah. and seeing how um, the diversity in diet and potentially eating meat that comes from good regenerative farming sources mm-hmm. Um, you touched on, you know, the, when you were in your healing journey, how it was about balancing your nutrients and your hormones, just so related to how we fix the earth as well. How we mm. heal the earth mm-hmm. is through all that balancing as well. When things are out of whack. Yeah, mm. exactly. It's, it, it, it made me, it, 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 from that experience, I learned that my body is not machine that you can just switch this off switch this on Mm. it's a complex organism Mm. that ultimately has many different um inputs based on the decisions that i make from everything from how much sunlight i decide to get throughout the day to how long i decide to sleep through how do i deal with my stress and what i and especially what i eat Mm. um and and so much more that that this extends to the whole earth and everything in it it's all one big we're all part of one big complex organism. So I've been thinking about that for a long time. So I, through that process of healing, I, I gave myself the space to not dive straight into the next thing okay. that I, I wanted to give myself a year or two or mm-hmm. however long it took mm-hmm. until I found the next thing that really felt right and that uh, this is what I want to do. 
Which is? Um, which which was regenerative agriculture. Yeah, okay. And it, uh, the, what ultimately put me on that course was um, my best friend and my best man, uh, Michael Palmier. He, um, he loves, we both love to travel and he, he, um, he was a big follower. He's a big follower of Sadhguru. And I became a, uh, I, I was also fascinated by his work and he said, I think we're going to India. Sadhguru's done this big tour where they're going to be restoring a river through promoting regenerative agriculture. And uh, we should go follow him. We should go and check it out and maybe do some volunteering and see what it's all about. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound like the original plan of going to Fiji and basking in the sun and doing some (laughs) surfing and snorkeling. I thought about it and I thought, well, you know what? I can always go on a beach holiday anywhere here. Where yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go on. So I went there and we had a beautiful, albeit chaotic time following <laughs> Sadhguru around. who's like a 67-year-old. If you don't know him, he's a 67-year-old mystic, a true guru, incredible person um, who's bringing back uh, classical forms of yoga but also doing a lot more mm. to help the community. And uh, he was holding these events from like 1,000 to 10,000 people in these various different villages of India all along the Kaveri River. Yeah. And um, in basically inspiring farmers to mm-hmm. adopt regenerative practices that they were practicing um, not even that long ago, before the 60s of the so-called Green Revolution, yep. sort of powered by Monsanto, where they sure. taught them the Western way of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Before that, they were practicing zero, zero, what is it called again? Zero... Um, budget natural farming zero budget natural farming mm-hmm. um and yeah so that were from a uh, and um and a lot of our educators were basically showing them that this is this is the best way forward that mm-hmm. uh, they had the highest suicide rates in india like yeah. something like three hundred thousand farmers have taken their life from bt cotton yeah it's terrible yeah um and through through um, going back to those ancient forms of farming they were able to increase their income like up to eightfold wow. um improve their livelihoods mm. no longer be dousing themselves in chemicals in yeah. their land and um and actually creating beautiful ecologies diversity diversity yeah. including like cows and and a whole lot of different crops sure um it's pretty amazing uh, how they've been able to do it so after that trip, I was just super energized, mm. and I came back to Australia. And I thought, can I just interrupt sure. with that? So, were they planting out the riparian zone along the Calvary River? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? Um, I know this pretty intimately because I remember uh, skimming that seven hundred page like guide that they were they were, they were, they were doing these educational courses. Um, but yeah, they were planting um, at least a five hundred five hundred meter. Um, uh, belt along the Kauru River that was only going to be trees. Amazing. Just to restore, yeah. Um, restore the banks of the river yeah. to reduce stop because, erosion. To stop erosion because mm. the Kauru River, since the Green Revolution, mm. it, it stopped flowing um, <gasps> out into the ocean. Wow. And they were getting massive soil salinity incursion. Yes. Um, along the coast and even further in. Oh, it's and, like Murray Darling River. And the, che- in and the city of Chennai was actually going through their biggest drought to the point where a city of 10 million people were having to bring in water from wow. other parts of the country. Oh my so that, gosh. that's how bad it was. Yeah. And it was just getting worse and worse. So this wasn't a feel good, let's do something nice for the environment. Mm. This was survival. Yeah. They were doing this for survival. 
Great. And was this like supported by the government or he was just like, come on people, let's go and do this? Initially it wasn't. Okay. But because he got such massive support, um, broad sector support from the public, because mm-hmm. he showed them that this is this is the only way forward. This is good yeah. for you, good for the people, good for your future, good for yeah. your kids. Yeah. Um, that this is not just an environmental issue. This is a survival issue. Mm-hmm. And he showed people and explained it to them in simple terms in mm-hmm. a way that not saying they're simple people, just in a way that people could understand. Yeah. Um, and I think that takes the skills of a, a good communicator. He was, he, he is that, mm. um, that they end up getting so much support that they ended up, um, getting states, state support from the state of Karnataka and, um, one of the other states, I've forgotten the name, Ulaanbaatar, Ulaanbaatar, um, is, I think it's one of the other states, but they, they end up passing policies which supported farmers, which gave them a subsidy um, for up to five years during this transition because that transition to agroforestry sure. takes time and during that yes. time they may not be making as much money, yep. but that state subsidy was pivotal to yeah. getting there. And they're, they're planning, planting, planning, um, oh, sorry, the numbers aren't fresh on my mind, That's but okay. it's something like two billion Maybe billion, sorry. You, Trees. You, yeah, but anyway, whoever's listening to this should, should Google it and yeah. find out the exact number of trees. But it's, yeah. it's so an, what do it's they Google? Like, what is what, what Carvery should, Calling? Carvery Calling mm-hmm. because it's by the Carvery River. Yes, okay. by the Isha Foundation. Isha Foundation. And the broader campaign to save all of India's rivers is called Rally for Rivers. Okay. And Sadhguru, more recently, he was doing a massive tour of Europe. Yep. Um, it's called Save the Soil. And oh yes, I know this movement. Yeah, okay. so yep. that he was going around to all the major countries in Europe, um, and also I think uh, Middle East as well. Amazing! Um, so it's worked there, and he's now sort of replicating that pattern and inspiring other countries. Exactly, which is Beautiful. incredible. Yeah. So um. So you were massively inspired by that, and you were on the inspired. regenerative agriculture buzz, and you mm-hmm. came back to Australia. Yep. And so, what's happening here? Yeah, and well, and then, and I was asking around, and I was trying to figure out, and I thought, you know, I was calling Isha Foundation. You guys doing something here like this? They're like, no, no, we've really focused on cover calling. Yep. We don't want to spread ourselves too thin. We really right. want to get this right. Yep. Have it as a pilot project that we can replicate in other parts of the world, but we need to get this right first. So we can't support you if you want to do this project in Australia. And I was pretty disheartened. I thought, mm. okay, well, I don't want to move to India. I, <laughs> I, want, to, I want to do something here. Yeah. Because so there's a need here. There's too. a need here. And yeah. farmers are facing a lot of similar issues. Mm-hmm. Like Murray Darling, a huge yeah. example of that. So I, I didn't know where to start. I didn't want to start my own organization because I knew that was just an, a momentous amount of work mm-hmm. and possible burnout again. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm just going to hold off and wait until I find something. And it, and then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And through the, through the pandemic, it really blew me away that a lot of the functional medicine um, spoke, spokespeople or experts, I should say, were not... Were, they weren't like fully supporting the vaccine, but they weren't, they were almost too scared to talk about holistic ways of dealing with this, of improving mm. your immunity, improving, mm. um, you know, who would have thought like it's, <laughs> that it's, it's a radical idea that going out and they, they get that improving your vitamin D levels reduces your risk of COVID mm. of complications from COVID and any other disease really. And increasing your um, vitamin C. And... Increasing vitamin C. And this was considered, this was like, 
yeah, people were being deplatformed for saying these things, yeah. and it, and it, it blew me away how how few how few people had the courage to mm. speak the truth mm. because that is that is a true mm. fact. There's so much scientific evidence to support mm. that, mm. Um, but it became very prescriptive. Became very prescriptive, <laughs> yeah. And whereas, and through that malaise of. Um, Misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> Observing Observation. misinformation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one um, dialogue. <laughs> yeah, Doc, I, I, I heard one podcast by Dr. Zach Bush who broke it all back down to... Uh, the, it was actually saying something quite radical and saying that, that viruses were actually beneficial mm. to our evolution. Mm. That the way we understood human evolution as from generation or any evolution from generation to generation was only one part of the story. There was actually horizontal evolution going on through viruses that the, the human, that there's tens of power of 30 viruses in air that we breathe Mm. that, and viruses are actually, um, I mean, I don't want to speak for Zach, so I'd really recommend people, uh, go out and, and look up some of his podcasts and really blow your mind. And where would they find that? Um, Anywhere. So okay. Rich Roll has done a few with him. The Regeneration has done a few. Um, Aubrey Marcus has done some really inspiring ones with Dr. Zach Bush. Nice. But he's Zach Bush loves to talk to anyone. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe I'll get him on here one maybe, day. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. He, he's he's um he's happy to have a yarn with people from all different walks of life. Yeah. Um, but he really he was one of the few people at the time that really cut through to me and, and reminded me that actually what I've been learning through functional medicine was right and was more important to understand in in the light of the pandemic than ever. Mm. That if, if only more and more people understood how to improve their immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really blown away by the podcast. And ultimately, um, I mean, I really urge people to, to let, pe- let Zach tell his own story. But yep. in summary, he was a... A, a doctor who um, saw that a lot of these patients were coming back with the same issues and because of their poor diet, mm. um, among many other things, but he realized that lifestyle diet was, and diet poor and diet. lifestyle. So mm. he went down the functional medicine path, mm. um, became a dietitian, yep. and then re- even even then realized that even no matter what these patients were eating, their gut biomes a lot of the time weren't ready for that that level of healthy food and mm. wasn't um, able to absorb the nutrients weren't able to absorb the nutrients mm. and realized that through he was also studying um cancer medicines and okay. chemotherapy and uh, realized there was a big um pocket of uh, can uh, really high incidence of cancer in um uh in uh what's one of the deltas in the u.s um in this in the south sorry i'm just going blank anyway um, the Mississippi Delta. Oh, okay, Mississippi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he found a huge, um, really spike of cancer there and wow. realized that it was actually because of the the flow of, um, the of glyphosate ah, the from all the farms, from all the agriculture right. was was compounding and... Um, was binding in binding, the soils there. Yeah, binding there. Mm. And, and, were, and, that's, and that was attributed to... There's a direct correlation and causation. Wow. And he was really trying to understand. And he realized that 
he couldn't be a good dietitian unless he was also partnering with farmers mm-hmm. and unless he also knew how the food was raised and mm. not a farmer, but he wanted to learn. Going to the source. Yeah, going to mm. the source. And he started um, an organization to help spread um, the adoption of regenerative agriculture principles called Farmer's Footprint, all um, from that journey. Is that a relation to Kiss the Ground? Yeah, they were their partners. Or is that a film? That Kiss the Ground was... is, is a film that okay. was created by the organization of the same name. Okay. And Farmer's Footprint uh, work very closely with Kiss the Ground. Okay. I personally know yep. um, those people very well. Okay. Um, they're, they're doing incredible work. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's right now they're working on uh, an alliance to try and ban glyphosate in the U.S. Great. Which is huge. Yes. Because the farm bill only comes around every four years. How transformational that will Mm -hmm. be for the world. For the world, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So after being so inspired by Dr. Zach Bush's podcast, Mm. I immediately emailed them, Farmers Footprint in the US, and I said, where's Farmers Footprint Australia? Can I start something here? Like, Can you support me? And they said, well, no, we don't really have anything over there. Unfortunately, we can't really support you. We don't have that many resources. And again, I was a bit distraught. And then I kept pestering them because like <laughs> something that for better or for worse is my strength and my weakness is my stubbornness. Awesome. <laughs> um, so I kept pestering them and eventually they relented and they said, well, we are actually planning to start something. It's not ready yet, but why don't you contact uh, Blair, Blair Beattie? Yep. Maybe you can, you guys, well, there's no funding yet, so don't expect anything, but maybe you guys can at least have some discussions. Yep. So I got in touch with Blair and he said, well, I can't pay you anything. There's no jobs. There's no funding. But, you know, we can start planning, we can start having discussions, and we start having weekly meetings for about a year before we got our first bit of funding. And we weren't really going anywhere, but at least we were landing down, laying down the groundwork of, yeah. to figure out this is what we're going to do once we get funding. And it was really hard to get traction during the pandemic, obviously, sure. yeah. because of a million different factors. Yeah. We couldn't even go into the state of New South Wales, which was where Blow was yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. Living under house arrest, I guess. So yeah. Not not the fertile ground for starting a um, interstate nonprofit. Right, but you had this connection, <laughs> and you guys connection. were holding on to hope, and you were setting mm-hmm. these intentions. Exactly. So we were making plans, and then um, and then some funding actually came through uh, late last year, and that's how Farmers Footprint Australia was born. Yeah. A very generous farmer. Yeah. Who wow. sold off his farm. And uh, wanted I just to, got goosebumps. Wanted to support our work. Wow. Um, in a huge way, which yeah. gave us enough money to um, employ some staff part time and casual, and really get going. And and that's and that's fast forward to where we're at now. We've got a website. We've got a short film. We've got our first um, farm yarn. We're calling these stories called farm yarns, where yeah. we, like the farmers' footprint in the U.S., we yeah. share stories of farmers adopting regenerative practices mm-hmm. uh, we're all about perf- um, progress over perfection so we don't only yes. want to share the stories of farmers that are gone have transitioned to completely regenerative practices mm. we want to share stories of farmers that are trying things yeah they're, they're adopting the this, journey adopting that. they're on the journey yeah. maybe they still use a bit of chemicals here and sure. there but they're working on it you yes. know they, they realize they're not fully there yet but they're but they're curious and they're moving forward and in they're, transition. They're trying things in yeah. transition. Amazing. Celebrating so, that. Exactly. Yes. Because we don't want it to be an exclusionary thing. Yep. That here's these great regenerative farmers. Mm-hmm. Here's everyone else. Mm-hmm. And you're bad. And therefore, we're going to shame you. We don't want it to be like that. We want 
ultimately we want Farmers Footprint to be a place where farmers don't farmers can see other farmers just just like them. Yeah. We, that we want to get a breadth of different farmers, from cattle mm. farmers to produce to mm-hmm. crops, all, all, all different farmers. Mm. Um, so it's a bridge in a way. Exactly, mm. because a lot of a lot of farmers, even during the filming of our short film, which we visited, um, well, I wasn't there, but um, Blair and the film crew visited twelve farms, including Bruce Pascoe's farm in Mawakuda. Oh wow! Yeah, and. Um, a lot of them didn't even know about each other. Yes, so this even, is it. Even in that, like, who we thought were a pretty well-connected bunch. Yeah. They didn't even, a lot of them didn't know about each other. Mm-hmm. So we want to bridge, we want to create those bridges and create those connections. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be prescriptive telling farmers this is what you need to do. We want yeah. farmers to sell farmers. What's to working sh- for them. What's that, working to yeah. share well, what's sure. working for them. Yeah. The and we want to be able to create, um, yeah, to be able to elevate their stories and and create networks so farmers can share those resources with each other. This is brilliant. Mm. Great. And so you have something special coming up soon, hey? Yes, we do. What is it? Yes, we do. So um, Dr. Zach Bush is actually coming to Australia, which is super, super, super exciting. Um, I get goosebumps just thinking about it because he's been such a big inspiration of mine for the Mm. past couple of years. And um, he. It's going to be yeah, Melbourne, it's, it's Sydney. It's going to be. Brisbane. Sorry, I just lost myself for a sec because <laughs> yeah. I just remembered like the last talk that he did at the Regenerative. Australia's Beast Regenerative Agriculture Conference mm-hmm. um, just took us on a journey of envisioning what that looked like. And it, it yes. just brought everyone to tears of mm. joy and hope mm-hmm. in the room. Yeah. And he, he's that person that is well-versed in the science, but is also um, understands the metaphysical connection yeah. between, uh, or understands beyond that, and he's very holistic in his approach. And mm. um, So be prepared for a journey, is all I'm going to say, if you if you want to attend um, one of his talks. He's going to be in Melbourne. Um, he's going to start in Sydney from the 2nd, I think I can announce, yeah, the 2nd of December, will be in Sydney. But check our website for the full dates because my memory is not the best. And That's cool. We'll put not. the link in the podcast so people can connect and mm-hmm. find all this info. And by the time this podcast comes out, hopefully the tickets will be live and hopefully they won't be sold out. Well, Ooh, hopefully they will quickly. be sold out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's but a good thing. <laughs> you have one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hopefully some of your listeners can at least make it to one of the events. Uh, we are planning a hybrid um, event for one of them, which will be cast. So for those of you who can't make it to one of the events... Uh. That'll be me. Um, they, we will do a live cast. Great. Um, which, which we hope will be um, just as amazing and just as special. Sure. Yeah. And we're finalizing. There are going to be special guests and they are going to be different from each of the major cities. Mm. Um, I am not liberty to say who we're in talks with because they're not confirmed yet. Okay. All right. Um, stay tuned then. So stay tuned. <laughs> um, but we, we announced it first on our Instagram so uh, make sure you jump on that and follow us there and sign up to our mailing list and you'll get updates uh, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So that's going to be a really inspiring um, series of events. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. I love all these sharings. And, you know, we only got through question one. <laughs> so we're going to have to, like, hightail through the rest of the questions here. So, uh, Igor, how do you integrate plants and specifically from a herbalism perspective, which is around healing and nutrition, mm-hmm. um, into your home, garden or community? Mm-hmm. 
when when I hear the word herbalist, I just think of that reggae song. He's a herbalist. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah, the kind of plant, hey? Well, that too, There's I mean. your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a prescription, folks. Nothing illegal here. <laughs> <laughs> Proper medicine. I mean, but that is that is a herb, actually, like cannabis. I do. Yes. Um, that is benefiting. Um, something that I'm still trying to figure out is I do get these spots on my head. Um, for the past six months, I'm not sure what, where they're from. Um, I don't think they're eczema, but I've been trying to heal them through traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture, which yeah. has worked to some degree, mm-hmm. um, but it's quite expensive. Um, I wish it was covered by Medicare. Wouldn't <laughs> it be great? Wouldn't that be, be transformational know, right? for everyone on earth? Covered totally. by Medicare. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I was looking at other ways and. And I've, I've been trying um, CBD oil for the past month and mm-hmm. that's worked so well to the point where people are running to down the street. They're like, wow, your skin's really cleared up. Mm. What, are, what are you doing? And so that's been working really well for me. Great. Um, THC oil has been helping me with my sleep. I, I have had a history of insomnia and it's pretty good now, but every mm. now and then, especially in full moons for some reason, I have trouble when oh, I wake oh, up. Oh. Yeah, maybe I'm a werewolf. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the, the wizardry coming out. Yeah. You need to actually be awake and creating something at that time. Maybe. That's what, just work with it. That's yeah, what nature maybe. wants you. The most hairless werewolf around. <laughs> 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 cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, cannabis is a wonder plant, and that's, yep. um, that's helped me in many ways uh, in my life. Cool. Also, what, what else? I mean, we use a lot of different um, herbs in our cooking, yeah. like Ibica. Um, my, my beautiful wife, I love very much, Lani, uses Ibica in her cooking, which is, I think, has got a lot of positive herbal properties as well. Absolutely. It's um, in my Incredible Edibles book. Oh, it's a, one of the tropical superfoods. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and there's so many varieties of Ibica in True. Papua New Guinea, where there she's are. from, hey? Like, yeah. way more than, I think I've got three types in my gardens. So. Yeah, we've got two. Two. Okay, yeah. cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. Oh, um, peppermint tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use that one um, to really calm, calm myself and help me transition into sleep. That's my nighttime mm-hmm. tea. And it also helps my digestion. Big time, yeah. Um, also, um, what's, what's a red powder that's used in a lot of Indian cooking that helps with your digestion as well? Turmeric? Turmeric. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I've just gone blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turmeric, um, I, I, I always keep some of that. If, if I've got a particularly bad tummy ache, mm-hmm. I add that to my peppermint tea, like a spoonful. It doesn't taste great, but add a bit of honey to taste. Yeah. And that's like a super tea that will mm-hmm. get you through no matter how bad your stomach pain is, <laughs> that will get you through. Awesome. Um, so that's, that's another one I use. Um, I also use wild oregano oil. If you know that feeling when you're like, if, or you, I think you were saying you don't really get sick anymore, so maybe not yourself. But when you feel a cold coming on, and you just get that feeling in the back of your throat. Yeah. So a bit of wild turmeric. Uh, so no, no, sorry, oh, wild oregano, oregano oil uh-huh. um, to the back of your throat. Yeah. Uh, just a few drops and clear up the next day. Yeah. So that's that's pretty amazing. I definitely get that tickle. Like I'm not mm. immune to anything, okay. and you know, like it comes around. But yeah, I have my like elderberry. I have my elderberry cough syrup. That yeah. I go to a propolis. Mm. Is another propolis one. is great as well. Yeah. I've got some propolis. 
I need to look into elderberry. Obviously, that's the name of this podcast, so I need to. Yeah. <laughs> look, well, I'm like, you can take some plants home with you. I'm like, definitely propagate <laughs> those outwards. Love to. All right. So, third question is: mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite plant that you can recommend as a must-have to include in a home garden, and why? Favorite plant to include in a home garden. Hmm. Good question. I. Yeah, I think something that can is really like I think everyone should have a herb garden mm-hmm. because it's the easiest thing to grow. Like, even if you're like me, not the best at cultivating plants and forget to water them, they still somehow survive. You know, <laughs> they're they're pretty resilient little plants. Most herbs. So yeah, I, I think it's in, like whatever your favorite herbs are, um, make sure you try growing them in mm-hmm. even if you pots. If you don't have a garden, if you go on a balcony, um, I do I do love uh, basil. Yeah. yeah, it's quite nice to have. Um, if you've got a cat, get some catnip. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, yeah. there's medicinal <laughs> herbs for our animals, not just for us exactly. too. It's quite yeah. like it's medicine to the heart when you can watch your cats and yeah. the catnip. Just watching it roll around <laughs> and have a nibble and get into it and have a little <sighs> have a little day's nap. Yeah, <laughs> maybe even rubbing it yourself. Yep. So herbs for yourself and herbs for your pets too. Yeah. And look after all. Um, can you share an example of when you utilize plants to improve your health and what was that experience? Well, you kind of covered that with the turmeric and peppermint mm. and CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we can't, you kind of just intuitively answered that question. Do yeah, you have anything and, to add to it? Well, yeah, I mean, with my insomnia journey, that was before I even looked at holistic health. Mm. Um, I tried everything under the sun. I tried med- um pharmaceutical sleep pills Mm -hmm. which actually increase your risk of all-cause mortality by 5x on average i've learned since so never touch them avoid Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. um try cognitive behavioral therapy which had some benefit Mm -hmm. um so i think there's that was useful Mm -hmm. um but ultimately it was probably going to sound like a stone on this podcast, but <laughs> um, back to that special plant yeah, again. <laughs> back to that special plant uh, that really helped um, in yeah in many ways. So that that was really beneficial. But I think it was a multitude of things. I think it was the CBD that helped and yeah. uh, cannabis that helped, and also um, yeah, sleep hygiene, really taking care of the noise. Mm. Um, light pollution as in like screen time before you go to bed yeah having a a good wind down ritual Mm -hmm. yeah avoiding screen time if you must use um blue light Mm -hmm. um glasses or surprised that your daughter knows what blue light glasses are she's six years old (laughs) she's nine so nine (laughs) nine and she was like impressed by my uh blue light glass i didn't yeah. even know she would know what they were because yeah, yeah. she's just been you know like up up the level of nine now so she's using screens and yeah yep. she's like i need blue light glasses to use this so i was like okay let's get you prepared with that <laughs> wonderful i know the future generations right yeah yeah it's amazing I'm trying to think if there's any other plants. You have lots of aloe vera on your um, yes, balcony. Yes, of course. Um, aloe vera is, is a wonder plant. Um, great, I, I've got pretty fair skin, so I do burn fairly easily. So it's great for um, just helping heal um, yeah. whatever sunburn I have. Yep. Uh, but it's also, yeah, it's got a lot of other uses as well. Um, I'm just trying to think. 
sorry, I've gone blank. What other, what else do we use it for? <laughs> um, I, I think it's just nice to just as a moisturizer mm. as well. Mm-hmm. It's just really, um, if your skin's ever feeling dry, it helps um, moisturize your skin really well. Yeah. I just read um, the other day that aloe vera has, it is absorbed into our skin five times faster than water. Wow. So our amazing. body is literally like open to receive whatever mm-hmm. the const- constituents in there are. This is mm-hmm. that book that I talked about in my ah. last, I was reading about it in here. Okay. So I'll give you that to take home and yeah. you can read up all about the other things about aloe vera. You'll be using it for more than sunscreen. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and also I do love like those aloe vera drinks. I know they're, I know they're yeah. not the healthiest. Um, maybe I should figure out how to make it myself. You can. You can yeah. do that. Yeah. I've got the recipe oh, in nice. there. Yeah, but it is amazing. Minus mm. the sugar if mm. you can add some honey to it or something. But yeah. very hydrating for our... It's, it's nice to chew on, you know. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yep. And, um, and one of my favorite birds, the sunbirds, oh. they propagate aloe vera. Oh. The sunbirds? Yeah, we have sunbirds. Yeah, sunbirds. Yeah, yeah they're the, the ones that hover. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. kind of like the hummingbirds mm-hmm. of South America. I never knew yeah. it until like back when I had an ice bath, I was taking an ice bath one time. And <laughs> I was just watching these, these sunbird like hover, um, into, hover the flowers into the flowers of it. Yeah, because yeah, they've got the long beaks. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I have yet to see that. It's pretty mm. special. Really special. Great way to pass the time in a cold bath. Yep. Nice <laughs> distraction from how freaking cold it was. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's the segue for this final question, which is what is alive and thriving in your life right now? What is alive? Oh, that's a broad, big question. Um, What is alive and thriving? Uh, I would say
Um, fair enough. The Japanese have been doing it for sure. hundreds of years, <laughs> and I'm just trying it for a few months. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, no amount of hubris will get me there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've been uh, working with a, a supplier in China who actually makes it out of bamboo. Amazing. Um, using the traditional Japanese process. Yep. So rather than um, than deriving it from trees, mm-hmm. which there are a lot of ways that they harvest it sustainably, but I've heard of stories where because of the increased demand, uh, they are becoming, some of the practices are becoming more unsustainable. Mm. They're starting to actually chop down some of the trees to do this. Mm. I thought, I don't want to contribute to that. Yep. So when I found a supplier that made out of bamboo, I thought that's perfect. Because mm-hmm. bamboo, as you know, is grass. Yep. You can... Cut it down in infinite number of times. Um, Regrow. Just like grass, you can trim it and it always regrows. So um, that's how Natural Filters was born. And that's the little business I've been working on. So now lately I've been having a lot more time, free time to work on that. So I've been really excited to really get that out there. Yay. Um, So if anyone's interested in that, check out naturalfilters.com.au. Shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just connecting people. And that's Mm. awesome. You know, we love supporting local people and mm. you know doing the the amazing work you do because the amount of plastic bottles out there is mm. uh, there's yeah. a whole big story to that Huge. but you know from a health yeah. perspective if we're just talking about herbalism and mm. working with plants bamboo, bamboo there you go charcoal yeah clear water in our bodies and you know we talked about the carbon being sequestrated into good soil through mm. regenerative farming practices mm. and bamboo Long-term vision would be to grow it in Australia yeah. um, using regenerative practices and maybe hire someone like a binge ton maker to come and build a kiln here in Australia. Whoa, that's so that a cool be, vision. Yeah, yeah. That would be re- locally sourced regenerative charcoal, bamboo charcoal filters. Woohoo! Next it level. <laughs> Taking a while to get there, but cool. got to start well, We'll support you in the meantime. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you and... Um, the storms passed over and I wonder mm-hmm. if our guests can actually hear the life of the forest happening outside that's competing with us talking in here. Yes, I do love um, all the ambient um, all the ambient sounds you have here. Yeah. I would, one day, if I if we can get a handle on the mould, I'd love to move out to the rainforest. It is beautiful yeah. in Karanda, yeah. So thanks for making the trip and for sharing everything that you have in this podcast. And um, until next time, keep on doing the great work and yeah, big appreciation from the Elder Tree podcast crew and thank you to all the listeners that joined us. Is there anything that you want to say to sign out? Um, thanks so much to Neil for having me and um, yeah, I really appreciate you, uh, first of all, being an inspiration, mm. being a constant source of inspiration and just being a really good friend and supporting um supporting me and what I'm doing and so, so many other members of our community. So much love to you and Blake and your family. And, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for our friendship and this beautiful platform that you've created. Yay. Cool. All right. So look out for Eagle, Eagle, the bald guy at the conference (laughs) in Melbourne or Sydney. Or Brisbane. Or Brisbane. So, yeah, so I'm not going to be in the Sydney one. I'll be at the Melbourne one and the Brisbane one. Okay, Melbourne, Brisbane. Early December. Cool. Come Mm -hmm. say hi to Eagle there. Yep. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Yay. 
The Elder Tree is a not-for-profit organization that is in the beginning stages of creating a grassroots herbal education center and healing sanctuary in the Atherton Tablelands of Final Queensland. To find out more, go to theeldertree.org and follow the journey on Instagram and Facebook. You can also donate to The Elder Tree via our podcast channel on Anchor or via the website. If you like the episode, we'd love you to subscribe. And if you know who we should interview next, drop us a line. See you next month. And in the meantime, may you grow them to know them and be blessed with good health and many plants.